If you weren't here last week, I'll let you know what we're doing these next few weeks. We are going through the themes of the Advent, and some of you, or maybe your church traditions, again, you grew up with the Advent. Uh, the traditions that I grew up with, we didn't necessarily practice it, but I got to tell you, those themes of the Advent and the congregational reading and the scriptures, I absolutely love. So today's theme is peace. So I thought to get us in the spirit of peace, um, I would start with a little exercise here. Now, I'm going to read a word, and then if it's a if it's a word and you agree with that gives you peace, just say yay. So let's practice. Yay. And if it's like that does not bring you peace, go nay. Nay. Okay. In Matthew 5, 37, in the King James, it says, let your yay be nay and your nay be nay. You remember that scripture? Yeah. Glad. I'm glad three of you saw that. Okay. So here we go. So if it gives you peace, what do you say? And if it doesn't, you say Okay, good. Okay. Hot chocolate and marshmallows. Waiting at the DMV. Yeah, I think it's worse than that. Okay. A gentle fire in the fireplace. The mall. (laughs) Please, yeah. IU basketball. Highway 37 and 69. I thought would. A puppy. A shark attack. Yeah, okay. See, every day we have these options that come our way. And every day, it's, it's a whole assortment of things. And some things make us feel very peaceful. And then there are other things that actually make us fear, feel very anxious. It's all about tension. And we need to learn that in life, that will never go away. Tension is a part of life. We will all experience peace. We will all experience pain. We have to learn how to navigate through both of those things. On a leadership blog, I found this quote, and I thought it was interesting. It said, in this current situation, am I facing a tension? to manage or a problem to solve. And I thought, you know what? That's every day. We wake up and we have to ask ourselves, now, is this a tension? Is this a stress I have to manage? In other words, it's not going to go away. Now, I don't know, but there's a rumor that every year on December 25th is called Christmas. Have you heard that rumor? Now, here's the thing. We may go into the season and say, there'll be no tension this year. Guess what? There will be tension. Now, do we manage the tension or do we allow that tension honestly to just tear us up? Or sometimes we say, this is a problem that I have to solve. Here's why this is important. I saw an interesting survey. It came out of a book. The book was entitled, The End of Stress, Four Steps to Rewire Your Brain by Joseph Gooey. And here's what Gooey said. He did an in-house survey And he found out that 85% of all those folks, the subjects that he surveyed, worried, in other words, tension, worried about things that never happened. Now think about that. Sent out this huge survey, and then he got all the surveys back, and then after the survey, he went back and he said, now that's interesting, you were really worried about this, 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 and this. How many of those things actually even took place? 85% said, I really worry about things that never happened. Of the 15% of the things that did happen, 79% of the people said they felt like they could handle that particular situation. In other words, there's a few things in life, honestly, that knock us down, and it takes a team, and it takes a family to help us get through it. But so many times in life, we don't have peace simply because we haven't learned to surrender to the Prince of Peace. That's what we want to get into this morning. So first of all, just this morning, I want to get in and see what peace is 
and how it's misunderstood compared to peace that is everlasting. So let's talk about misunderstood peace. If you got your scriptures, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to start with verse 6. Very popular Christmas verse. For to us, matter of fact, let's read this together because this is good stuff. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pause there. Now, let that verse really sink in. Now, I want you to read it as if, and think about it as if, you were living in the days of Isaiah. Now, remember, the prophet Isaiah, he wrote this 700 years before Jesus was born. So he looked at the current situation and all the stress that they were under, and he looked beyond the stress and he said, listen, God is going to send a Messiah. And when he sends this Messiah, most of us will not be alive. But this Messiah is going to take care of all the stress of this world. Now, how many of you have ever heard of escape rooms? Anybody know what an escape room is? Yeah. Escape rooms are really interesting. Uh, my uh, oldest daughter and her husband, and I've had some friends that have participated, is, uh, they have them up at Indy, down in Louisville, but they have these, uh, these incredible mystery-type rooms. You go in with a group, maybe a family or friends. If you show up individually, they'll put you in a group. And then in this particular room, they have all of these clues all over the room that you will solve the mystery, and they give you one hour to solve it. And the, the folks that I've talked to that have done it said it is amazing as you are really leaning on one another to go through an entire room for every possible clue. Now, imagine hearing these words and putting the clues together of what this Messiah is going to be like. Look at the clues. It says, first of all, this Messiah will have the government on his shoulders. He will be a wonderful counselor. He will be mighty. He will be the prince of peace, which means he is royalty. He will rule. And he will, in verse 7, it says that he will be a, a, a Messiah of fairness and of justice. He will come from the line of what? David. Okay, so if you're hearing that, what are you visualizing? I know what I'm visualizing. First of all, I'm going to camp on, oh, he's royalty, and he's coming out of the, the lineage of David. That means he's going to be a warrior. That means this Messiah is going to give us peace like nobody else, and he's going to be a conqueror like nobody else. And we find out that that, that is not at all what Jesus came to be. Jesus was a servant. Jesus is here for everybody here today. And maybe here today, that's what you're battling. It's just peace in your life. Think about those characteristics again, that he's the mighty God, the prince of peace. He is royalty. He's here for us. And it, isn't it interesting that even Jesus said in Matthew 24, 6, there will always be wars. There will always be rumors of wars. So if there's always going to be wars, was Jesus truly the prince of peace? Or maybe he's being misunderstood. How many of you have ever been a part of, um, and if you haven't, I really encourage you to do this, a Passover meal. Have you ever done that? Yeah, if, you, if you haven't, you really should be a part of that. Sherwood Oaks, about every other year, will offer that. And I remember we used to do this with our youth group at uh, camp. And one of the traditions of uh, the Passover meal 
which I love is as you go through this, a series of everything is symbolic. And as you go through the meal, there's an incredible time in the meal when you look to the youngest child at the table and you say, run to the door. And they'll run to the door. Open the door. And they open the door. Look for the prophet Elijah. And they'll look around. Is he here? No. Well, then let's pray for the presence of Elijah. And then they'll finish their meal. Now, why do you think Elijah was such a big deal for that Passover meal? Because Elijah was the one who was proclaiming a Messiah is coming. So in other words, to the entire family, they're saying, go to the door, look out. Are you ready? Are we ready for a Messiah? And every Jewish family was looking for a Messiah. The problem was they misunderstood what the Messiah was. So what is the Messiah? What does it mean to give your life to the Prince of Peace? Well, let's talk about that for just a few minutes. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, here's why I landed on this particular text. I was thinking, if we are to live a life in peace with Christ, what does that look like? How do you flesh that out? So Jesus came. We know the Christmas story. Okay, we all saw Charlie Brown. We saw Linus read that. So we know the Christmas story. But what, did, what happened? In other words, Jesus died, and then there was a resurrection, and then he ascended. The church exploded with growth. But what happened? In other words, what was the result of the Prince of Peace? And in 2 Corinthians 2, I believe you begin to see the result of what happens when you give your life to the Prince of Peace. So let me give you just a little bit of background. Paul, when he's writing to this church in Corinth, has already written a really difficult letter to this, this city and this church in Corinth. And it's called 1 Corinthians. So the whole book of 1 Corinthians is all of these major issues that they were battling. And he wrote the letter, and it isn't like today where he's waiting for tweets to come back to see if they received it. He had to wait to hear from others, did it make a difference for this church in Corinth? And so it says he waited in Taurus, says here, Troas, and when he waited there, he was waiting for the news. Like, did they receive the letter? Are they listening? Are they allowing Jesus Christ to change them? And nobody showed up. And so now he's really, really upset. He's like, I don't even know, Lord, if I'm supposed to go back there. I don't know if I failed. And he's struggling. And I want you to look at verse 13. And I want you to notice what he says. He says, I have no peace of mine. Now he's writing to the Corinth church, my dear brother. Titus hasn't yet arrived with the report. You notice what he says? Man, I am dying to hear what's next. I just need to know, Lord, what's next. And I've already got a plan A. All I have to do is meet Titus. He's going to give me a report and I know what to do next. And Titus didn't even show up. And I got to tell you, Lord, right now, I have no peace of mind. How many of you can totally understand what it's like to be living life, plan A, and then we realize most of life is not lived according to plan A? Why? Because there's always a plan B. Always. Have you ever noticed when you're really in a hurry, you always get behind the slowest driver in Bloomington? You ever notice that? And whenever you're not in a hurry, you're always in front of the most obnoxious driver in Bloomington. Have you ever noticed that? Why? Because life isn't about just living plan A. 
And peace of mind isn't just, Lord, everything that I plan today has happened. Matter of fact, I don't know if you're like me, I make a detailed, almost ridiculous, detailed to-do list every day. Even on my days off, I have a to-do list, okay? Now, I may get through nine of those 10 items, and at the end of the day, I'm like, what happened? Well, you know what happened? Life. Very seldom do you get everything done that's on your plan. And so we desperately need, we desperately need peace of mind. So how are we going to get it? We'll drop down to verse 14. But thank God. Now we want to move right on, but no, let's stay right there. Thank God. Do you know how important it is for all of us every day as we are trying to strive for peace in Christ that we begin every day by thanking God? Think of all the things in your life to thank God. God for. Think about the things in your life that have really made an impact in your life. Start with those things. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit zaps a person's strength. It's true. Ephesians 4, 23, I love this. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let me read that again. Let the Spirit of God renew your thoughts and your attitude. So here's the deal. We're going to turn our life over to the Prince of Peace. When people are around you, are you a presence of peace or not? Now think about this last week. Don't get too far ahead. Think this last week. How'd this last week go? Do you feel like everyone around you felt like, now there's a person that is a presence of peace. Are they like, that is like a tornado. I mean, who, who showed up this week? I mean, seriously, think about who people came in contact with. And trust me, I get it. This whole idea of gratefulness and waking up that way. I love this. I heard somebody say, some people wake up and say, good morning, Lord. And other people wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning. Now, you fall in one of those camps. Now, everybody has good days. Everybody has bad days. But we're striving to have peace. Now, isn't it interesting that the most stressful time of the year is the time of the year that we're supposed to be worshiping the Prince of Peace? And yet, think how amped up we are and stressed out over Christmas. And don't get me wrong, I know that in life, we've all been around what I call the two extremes of emotion approaching life. The first extreme is Pollyanna. You've probably heard the phrase before. I've, I've heard that, I can't tell you how many times, somebody be described as Pollyanna. So Pollyanna was a best-selling book written by Eleanor Porter in 1913. It was a children's book about a little girl that saw the world through rose-colored glasses in every situation. She was never discouraged. She was always happy. And because of her enthusiasm, they wrote 11 more books on Pollyanna and made movies after this character. Now, you know why I believe Pollyanna was so popular in 1913, well, there was a little thing called World War I, for one thing. I think the other thing is, deep down, people know how rough and how brutal the world is, and they would love to know that there's somebody that sees the world every day in a positive way. Now, is that realistic? Probably not. Probably not. Matter of fact, some of you may be setting by a Pollyanna right now, 
And that's okay. We need Pollyannas, seriously. If I had to hang out on vacation with one or the other, I'm going to take Pollyanna. You know who the other extreme is? Uh, Debbie Downer. Now, I don't know. Yeah, can you play that again, Jason? Yeah. Don't look at Debbie Downer if she's here today, but you've all been around stinking Debbie Downer, haven't you? It's like, I mean, listen, I'll be the first one to say, I'm not good about going to the mall or going shopping, but I have learned the only thing that I do enjoy when I go in the store, I really do love looking and watching other people. Because I've noticed everybody seems to be borderline miserable. I don't know why. Why I like that, I don't know. Like I look over, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to blow. You know, and I look over there, oh, this is great. You know, so it's just interesting to watch people. But we know what it's like to be in the presence of somebody that sometimes we think, is that real? Are you being Pollyanna? Like you're being through the roof almost too happy. Or, or around those that we would call Debbie Downer. It's like, wow, I thought you were a, a follower of Christ and everything just seems to be down and negative. You know, the Bible says, do everything without grumbling. Boy, I wish that verse wasn't there because that is so hard. This is an old corny joke, but where else am I going to tell it? Okay, so let me just share with you. Um, there was a family totally confused. They had twin boys, six years old. Matter of fact, don't you love that age? I love the family that was talking about peace, and I could tell there's a six-year-old in the midst, because you could tell that was not peace. You know, okay, kids, sit here. Oh, I'm going to kill you. Okay, so you could just tell. I always want to know what's going on behind the scenes in the videos. But this family had twin boys, both six years old. What was odd is one boy was what we would call Pollyanna. Everything was upbeat. He just loved. He woke up. He was always in a great mood. But the identical twin was a Debbie Downer. Everything was negative. And they were so confused that they went to a psychologist and they said, we don't have a clue if we're doing something wrong with these kids. One, you'll, you'll know when you meet them, one is always excited and happy, and the other one, honestly, is miserable. So he said, let me conduct an experiment. So he, he conducted the experiment. For the first child, he filled this room with toys. He said, I just want you to go in that room with toys for one hour, and I'm going to come back, and we'll talk about it. And the little boy walks in there, and uh, I mean, you can't imagine all these toys. An hour later, he walks in, and he is throwing a tantrum. And he said, seriously, are you in a bad mood? He goes, are you kidding? Look at all these toys. They're all going to break. And then after they break, it's a big mess. Who's going to clean it up? And he threw a tantrum. He's like, wow. So then he went to the other room. You know what he did? This was the kid that everything was positive. He went to the other room, and it was piled with horse manure. The entire room, horse manure. He walked in that room, and this kid is slinging horse manure all over. And he's giggling, and he's laughing. And he goes, first of all, like, what's wrong with you? And then he said, how could you possibly be happy? You know what the kid said? Are you kidding me? Look at all this manure. There's got to be a pony in there. <laughs> That's about life. Now, again, where are you going to fall? Every day, seriously, you have to fall somewhere. And isn't it interesting? He starts with very simple words. Thank God. You want to seek the Prince of Peace? Start by thanking God. <laughs> I, I emphasize again this morning, what is it in your life that you are thankful for? I'm battling a cold. I'm thankful for that. Okay. 
I read about a poll in Newsweek in 2005, and they asked several Americans this question. If you could have your wildest dream come true, fill in the blank. If you could have your wildest dream come true. You want to guess what the number one response was? Number one response, win the lottery, 38%. (laughs) You want to guess what 1% said? World peace. Think about that. I'd rather win the lotto than the whole world live at peace. And then I thought, well, they just asked me that question. They didn't give me, you know, suggestions. I would probably say the lotto. Wouldn't you? If we're honest. Let's drop down to verses 15 and 16. Paul says that when we give our lives to Christ, when we reach out to the Prince of Peace, here's what it's like. It's like an amazing fragrance. I want you to think about the word fragrance. I don't know about you, but when I think of Christmas, there's countless scents and fragrances. I think about pine trees. And I think about when I was a kid, I used to walk around the neighborhood and when it would get winter. And uh, about the only thing I liked about winter and the smells of winter is I remember the fireplaces. People started lighting the fire and there was a smell in the air. And I remember knowing Christmas was near. It's, it's fresh baked cookies. All of us here have these amazing memories from aromas in our life. A fragrance that creates powerful memories. And Paul said, when you live at peace with Jesus, there's a fragrance in your life. And people will know that you belong to Christ. As powerful as that scent is of Christmas, that scent other people pick up on. Now, some people, they, they are drawn to that. They're like, wow, there's something powerful about your life because you're at peace when everybody else isn't. How is that possible? Brothers, that fragrance, he says, is almost a stench. In other words, there are times that People are not drawn to Christ. They repel from Christ. But it doesn't matter. If you're a believer, you're called to live with and in the Prince of Peace. That there is almost like a Christmas fragrance. There's something about your life people want. I just got to be honest. It is hard to find peace in our world today. And it's always going to be difficult to find peace. All of us, no matter your age, you know the stress that we live under and we know the stress that our kids live under. Claudia Mitchell, a few years ago, we had a staff retreat and she said, she was talking about one of her grandchildren, she said, I can't believe that they, uh, they had an exercise at school where they, the kids, they were instructing them, if a terrorist comes in, here's what we do. She goes, isn't that terrible that we live in a world where kids are terrified of terrorists? And I remember Tom said, Claudia, do you remember when we were kids? We weren't hiding under the desk from terrorists. She goes, that's right. No, we thought the world would be destroyed by a nuclear bomb. How many remember that? Oh, those are good times. Okay, boys and girls, get under the desk in case the world blows up. Yeah, like, that's going to help, you know? I just remember thinking, well, I tell you who I hope goes first. Anyway, I wasn't a Christian when I was, anyway. All of us, we know, we absolutely know how hard it is to find peace in a world that is so unpeaceful. So I, I want to share with you something personal in my life. I was thinking about when I know that I'm struggling with contentment and peace, okay? All of you have certain ways that you know 
So I'm just going to be honest. Uh, my daughter, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, uh, my youngest, got engaged. And so I know none of you are this shallow, but uh, after the engagement, <clears throat> and I was in my mind thinking how much the wedding's going to cost. But that's a whole other sermon. Anyway, <laughs> I was congratulating. And then my, my second thought was, okay, I have a date. It's June whatever. You know, you know what the next thought is, don't you? Man, I got I to gotta lose weight. I, I mean, seriously, because I know some pictures are coming, and I know everybody's looking at her, but then I don't want to go, oh, yeah, yeah, your dad's really fat. So I didn't, I didn't want that, you know what I'm saying? So in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to lose a pound a week for 30 straight weeks. So you know how much weight I'm trying to lose. You'll figure the math. So anyway, I'm in my head. And then I weighed in, and I'm really excited. I'm like, okay, God, here it is. Boom, here's the date. And so then I didn't weigh in for five weeks. And so then I, when I weighed in, assuming I dropped a few pounds, guess what? I gained five pounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's pray. You know, I mean, hence the sweater. Okay, so, <laughs> so here's the deal. I started, I started thinking about it. I got, you know what? How did that, ha- you ever do that? How did that happen? You know, I didn't wake up the next day. I put on five pounds. You know how I put on five pounds? My wife tells me this all the time. Uh, the church, it's a sinful thing. Right after around Halloween, they just, people bring all kinds of stuff in. And they put them right there. And I'm, I'm, I'll go out to do something. Well, I'll grab a few peanuts. Oh, is that chocolate? That don't want to hurt. Oh, is that a whole cheesecake? Yeah, what the, you know, so anyway. I'm, and you know what happened? Then after six o'clock in the evening, as I'm going, walk around, I'm always picking up a hand of something, chips, popcorn, an entire ham, you know, whatever it is, I just pick it. And then I wonder, okay, what just happened? Well, when I look back, I thought, you know what I think happened is when I'm a little stressed, or I'm anxious, I always know that's my trigger. I always know. And I, I always try to weigh in every week. I always know when I'm stressed. You know why? Because I don't weigh in. One time I weighed in and I threw the scale away because I knew that scale is off. I know none of you have ever done anything that shallow. But anyway, let me ask you something. How do you know when you're not at peace? I want you to ask yourself, how do you know when you're off? When you know you should be right and you should feel a spirit of peace, but you don't. Is it your car? I mean, if people looked at your car right now, does it look like you're prepared for Armageddon? Something blew up in there? What if you're just confused? Like, you don't know why, but you can't, you just can't put ideas together, and you just seem frazzled and confused. What is it in your life right now that you'd say, you know what, I can always tell when I'm not at peace. I can always tell because of fill in the blank. Maybe you're snapping at people that are closest to you, and you're taking it out of the people that love you the most, but you're just letting them somehow know in short bursts that you're anxious. So this sermon is for all of us, that when you read about the Prince of Peace, genuinely I'm asking, is the Prince of Peace in your life? I want you to focus on, is he in your life? 